Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. I'm going to speak tonight on this second part, lessons, lessons for dance. I'm going to give you some lessons tonight for dance. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1, and the message says, One final word, friends. We ask you, urge is more like it, that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God. Not in a dogged, religious plod, but in a living, spirited dance. Everybody say, not in a dogged, religious plot, but in a living, spirited dance. Clap your hands. Let's, let's go to the Lord. Dear Father, let me do real good tonight. Bless the Word. Bless the Word. Bless the Word in Jesus' name. Tonight, we're talking about I Hope You Dance. Lessons for Dance. Last Wednesday evening, the first in this series, we talked about the Father is going to and will dance. We talked about the Father. It was evidence in the prodigal son story because when the prodigal son came home, he put a ring on his finger, put a robe on his back, killed a fatted calf, and called everybody in, and they had a party. And he was trying his best to, to make and convey the elder son a message that he needed to come in and join the party. Because it was a wonderful, wonderful time. A boy that was lost was now found. And the elder son had an attitude that you have never done this for me and I've never left you. And the father said, everything I've always had has been yours. And we talked last week about how good God has been to us that have stayed in the church of the living God. He's been good to you. God has blessed all of us that have stayed attached to the church. But I think it's imperative that we understand that in this last hour, the enemy would like to wear out the saints of God. He'd like to wear us out. And so I'm praying for an anointing. I'm praying for a special, special, special anointing in the fall of this year that God would allow us to have this lively, spirited dance attitude. He told his disciples in Luke 10, he said, Don't rejoice because demons are subject to you, but rejoice because... Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What he was saying is there's nothing here greater than what's happened over there with your name. No matter what happens to you here, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. No matter if family forsakes you, no matter if you lose your job, no matter if you lose your wages, no matter if you lose your health, it's still a wonderful moment because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And Jesus Christ, the Bible said, leaped for joy. He absolutely, he danced in the spirit. He absolutely had an agaliaho. He jumped up and down rejoicing because of what he had told them about their name being written in a book. And then when he turned the water into wine in John 2, he did that to make happy people happier. Because Jesus recognized if he was going to do anything with the gospel, 
He could not do it dragging people behind him. He had to have people who had enthusiasm. He had to have people who had joy in their life. He had to have people who had contentment of serving him in their mindset. And it seems to me that God's intention for us is not to drag through life or bump along in life. You can't read this 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 scripture without getting the distinct impression that this writer, Paul, is saying, I hope you do more than just plod through life. He said, I hope you approach your life and your service to God like a living, spirited dance. Now, let's stop and talk a minute. I've never had a dance lesson in my life. I've never studied the moves of dancing, although I can move. There will be a little show and tell here tonight. I can move. But I did enjoy some birds, some penguins dancing once on a video, and I found it for you, and I thought I'd show it to you. Some birds are dancing. Let's watch the birds. Yeah! <laughs> Can I just kind of put that picture together for you? That's birds without shoes in a cold, frigid country dancing on ice. That's birds dancing on ice. Oh, Pastor, it's a movie. Oh, well, I know that. But if a bird in the frigid north with no shoes on can dance on ice, I think we at a church on a Wednesday night can have a spirited time in the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's clap our hands and rejoice right now. Most of us knows what it's like to be lured, to be pushed, to be pulled onto a dance floor. We used to make videos in our house on Sunday night that brought laughter to many and oh my gods from others. The kids always tried to get me to dance. We would do some Bill Cosby stuff that Cosby used to do on the Cosby show. And I did, I did, I did snap a couple of moves off a couple of Sunday nights, kind of from the waist up, Bill Cosby-ish, you know. <laughs> I did do that. And I was always in the background because I didn't want to be up front because my kids can funky chicken. My kids can do the Watusi. My kids can do the, they can do the locomotion better than a diesel. But I can't. I can just kind of, because I'm afraid if I move this and this, something's going to disconnect. So I just kind of move from the top. But how many remember the days in the 60s when Chubby Checker sung, come on, baby, let's do the twist. Oh, come on, get excited a little bit. How many of you have ever done the funky chicken? They still do it at Round Rock Ballpark, the funky chicken. How many of you have ever done the Watusi or the locomotion or the jerk? Remember the jerk? Remember that? Hey, can anybody stand up and do the jerk right now? Anybody? There you go. There you go. You may be seated, sweetheart. Thank you. How about the pony or the mashed potato? Is that how the mashed potato was? <laughs> My God, she can do them all. This is not planned. And in the 70s, they did the hustle. 
There was the disco. There was the punk dance. That's when you slammed into each other. The Texas two-step and the hip-hop dance. In the 80s, Michael Jackson introduced the moonwalk. You know, oh, I can do that. I can do the moonwalk. These shoes, do not, they do not give me enough credit, but I can do the moonwalk. And the disco fox and the break dance and the lambada and the worm. You know how to do the worm? And the electric slide. Remember that? Your electric slide. Oh, come on, act like you're happy tonight. And how about the Roger Rabbit dance? Have never heard of it, but I found it online today. Many of you have heard that when Hokey Pokey died, that at the funeral they couldn't shut the casket to take him to the cemetery. He kept putting his right foot in and taking his right foot out. And he kept shaking it all about. I discovered the dance floor and me aren't compatible. I found that many of the things I take for granted as being easy and second nature to me are to other people what a dance floor was and would be to me. Because a lot of people trying to live this spirited dance with Jesus Christ, it's difficult. That's why I'm here. I'm giving you dance lessons tonight. See, a Christian's lifestyle is to some people as awkward as dancing is to me. And in these teachings this Wednesday night and next Wednesday night, I like to play the role of a dance instructor on a different kind of dance floor. I want to use dance as a metaphor. I hope some of you folks have not Phariseed me to hell already and teach you some dance steps for experiencing, everybody say a joy field. Everybody say an upbeat. Everybody say rewarding Christian life. See, I'm just going to go on record right now. I think Christians ought to be the happiest, most joyful, most contented, most blessed acting, most smiling, most thank God, most joyful people in all the world. Anybody agree with me on that? I think people of God ought to be absolutely, incredibly happy. Amen. Amen. I was going down to San Antonio Sunday, and one of the ushers asked, Brother Jonathan said, How, what does this Pastor Johnson look like? And he said, well, he's, he's got some hair challenges. <laughs> but said, he's got a big old smile. Said, you'll know him by his smile. I'm so glad that somebody identified me not as being an ugly man or a handsome man, but identified me as somebody that had joy in my life. I don't want to go through life. Folks, life is tough enough without us adding to the virtue of life. I want to go through life not in some dogged religious plod. I want to go through life in a spirited dance. I want to enjoy the blessings of Jesus Christ. And every day with him is greater and sweeter than the day before. Because every day that I spend with him, I'm getting closer to him. I'm getting closer to that day. And I want to be happy in knowing Jesus Christ. I want people to turn and say, wow, that is a man that loves God right there. I think Christians still have a mark of distinction. And it's not how we look. It's how we act in God. And I think God Almighty wants us to be happy people. 
Say amen to that. Say amen to that. So the first step I want to preach to you tonight is simply, you might want to write this down. You've got to sell out and you've got to buy in. That's your first dance step move. You've got to sell out and you've got to buy in. In an uncertain world of financial investment, many times it's best people tell you to diversify. Keep your options open. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And that may work for investing strategies. But there are some things in life you will never experience the benefits of without a full 100% commitment and a sellout and a buy-in mindset. And the reason some people fail in things like marriage and like parenting and like careers is because they diversify and they don't put all their eggs in one basket and they keep their mind open and they say, you know, I'm going to keep my options open because I might want out of this. That doesn't work in life. It doesn't work in love. It doesn't work in relationships. And it doesn't work for a person who wants to experience God's plan for their life. If you want everything God has for you, You've got to sell out, and you've got to buy in. You've got to absolutely sell out and buy in. Some people want to come to God like the rich young ruler in the Bible. They want to sign a prenuptial agreement. They want to sign a prenup before they ever establish a relationship. They say, I'm going to keep my stuff out of the equation. That's my stuff, Lord, and you can't have some of my stuff. There's a beautiful scripture in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It's on the screen. It said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then watch this. In his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Everybody said he found a treasure. And in his joy, he went and sold everything he had and he bought the whole field. Now, some people feel sorry for this man. After all, his discovery cost him everything. But we aren't to pity this man. You need to envy a man like this. Because his sacrifice pales in comparison to his reward. In fact, when the rich young ruler walked away from Jesus Christ, I preached a sermon years ago that man that left church too soon because Jesus kept talking after the rich young ruler went away. And he said, who among you that chooses me will I not give you a hundredfold in this life? In this life plus life evermore eternal. Here's what I'm telling you. When you choose Jesus, when you choose Jesus, nobody needs to pity you. Nobody needs to feel sorry for you. Nobody needs to say, poor old boy found religion, can't do nothing. No, no, no. We're getting ready to receive a hundredfold from him in this life, plus the life that is to come. Hey, when you find this treasure, you sell out and you buy in because that's the first move of finding a spirited joy in your life. Say amen to that. Say amen to that. Amen. Consider the cost to benefits ratio. The benefits far outweigh the cost. I put it on the screen. It cost him everything he owned, but it gained him everything that mattered. It cost him everything that he owned, 
but it gained him everything that mattered. If you notice the phrase, in his joy, you realize this man wasn't in a dogged religious plod. This man was doing this in an exhilarating, joyful way. Now, right on the screen, he is no fool, Jim Elliott said, to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. Aren't you glad that when you found Jesus, you said, I'm going to sell out and I'm going to buy in. I love what Pete said one day when Jesus looked at them and he had fed 5,000. And he said, after they started walking away in John 6 and 66, he came to him and he said, will you also leave me? Will you also go away? And Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. There's no place else to go. I want people in this church to sell out to Jesus like that. Because when you sell out like that, I promise you, there's no hell that can bring enough things against you that you still can't do the Watusi right in his face and absolutely rejoice in the Holy Ghost because Jesus Christ is your all in all. Clap your hands and rejoice. That's first step. Sell out and buy in. The second thing I want to tell you is you got to make some noise. Everybody say, make some noise. <laughs> yeah. you got to make some noise. If you've ever been to a professional sporting event, you no doubt have seen somebody holding up a sign or seen these words come up on the screen at a crucial time in the game. Make some noise. You ever seen that? I love the San No, I don't. I like the San Antonio Spurs. I really enjoyed them until they got beaten game six last year. And it's going to take me a lifetime to get over that, but I still probably will watch them a few times. But every time they get in a pinch down in, in the AT&T Center, the old announcer says, need a little help? Every now and then, I want to tell you something. The good Lord doesn't need your help, but he sure likes to hear your noise. He likes to hear you praise him. The psalmist is that guy in the Bible that makes some noise guy. Psalm 66, Psalms 81, Psalm 95, Psalms 98, Psalms 100, splashing all over the screen, make a joyful noise. Psalmist said it about nine different times. He also said things like, clap your hands, all you people. He also said, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. He also said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. He also said, sing to God all the earth and sing to him a new song. Would somebody like to clap their hands right now? Would somebody like to open their mouth right now and make a noise unto the Lord right now? Would you like to do that right now? David is the major make some noise guy of the whole Bible. As I said earlier, I have found that a Christian lifestyle to some people can be awkward. People are new in our church and, and coming in and learning how to pray and coming in and learning how to Bible read and coming in even learning how to go to church and talking about their faith to somebody and singing in church and clapping their hands and raising their hands and all of that seems strange to some people. It's as strange as me getting on the dance floor. But shouting unto God with your whole being, that is a strange thing to some people. Most people don't do any of these things without first passing through a stage of awkwardness and an uncomfortable feeling because it just doesn't feel natural. Oh, you can go to a football game and go crazy. 
You can go to a religious rally, a, a political rally, and go crazy. But there's something about church. Somebody has dumbed down the praise and worship in church to a point where we think we're losing our mind when we clap our hands. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I didn't vote for him, but if Bill Clinton walked in this room right now, I would ask you to stand and give the man a stand ovation. He deserves it. He's been the president of the United States. But I'm, telling, I'm talking about one that's greater than any president of the United States. I'm talking about one who's king of kings and lord of lords. Every now and then, you've got to learn to get in the flow. You've got to get in the flow, brother. You've got to get in the flow. You hear me? You've got to get in the flow and clap your hands and rejoice with him. Please be seated. I used to pastor a little lady in the Ritter. Her name was Sister Smith, and wow, she was awesome. She was awesome. She was about 78, 79 was there. And when the Holy Spirit would move on her, she'd get out and, and hold on to her pew because she didn't want to she didn't want to get away from the harbor. <laughs> she'd hold on to her pew. And she'd just so sweet. Didn't bother anybody. So one night I went back to her and said, Sister, I love your worship. She said, I do too. Just smiling, 78, 79. I said, I do too. And I said, would you tell me a little bit about it? She said, yeah. She said, Pastor, when I was a young lady, I went dancing every night. I loved to dance. She said, I told, I told myself when I was just a little old girl, dancing just does something to me. This makes me happy. She said, it didn't, I didn't matter. it didn't matter who I danced with. I wasn't going home with them. I just going to dance. But she said, when I found Jesus, the only thing that changed was this. I just changed partners. Listen, she said, I used to dance with guilt because sometimes I'd go over the line when I was dancing in the nightclubs. But she said, I don't ever go over the line now because I'm not dancing with guilt anymore. I'm dancing with grace. And you know what? You know what? I, I, I want to tell you something. It's once again, it's that selling out and buying in and learning that you can learn to praise the Lord. You can learn to give him a thanksgiving. You can learn to say hallelujah. You can learn to pray. You can learn to give your heart to him completely and wholly. I know it may be a journey for some people, but it's all right. Nobody is thinking you're losing your mind if you say amen every now and then. If you say praise the Lord. There's a, little, there's a little thesis that I want to put on the screen. It's, it's kind of like some people are when they first learn about how to do things in church. This, this is from a movie called Meet the Parents, and Jack's asking Gaylord to pray over the food. Let's watch this right quick. Get your hands right. <laughs> oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, and kind and gentle. And 
And that's how some people feel. Go ahead and give him a hand. That's how some people feel. So, Pastor, how do I do this worship thing? How do I do it? Well, it's day by day by day. <laughs> Here's what I want to tell you. It's just as easy to magnify the Lord as it is just to sit there and not magnify the Lord. When you come into a place of worship and praise, nobody is going to get out of the way here. It's going to be done corporately. It's going to be done in order. But I believe every person that walks in this house owes the Lord a thanksgiving. You owe the Lord some praise. You owe the Lord. Me as a pastor don't need to be looking around and seeing who is and who isn't. I need to be leading you in worship and praise. Because everybody here, everybody here needs to tag in to their own creator. That's why we have corporate worship. You can do it in your car going down the road if you want to. You can sing at your kitchen table. You can do whatever you want to by yourself. But when we come in here, I think it's all right to clap our hands. I think it's all right to lift our hands. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed if you don't understand it. Just get involved with what God's doing. Come on. Get involved with what God's doing. And watch God take you to another level. Because it's part of the spirited dance that he wants to take you in in your life. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Clap your hands real big one more time. Learning to worship. And to pray out loud can be an awkward situation, especially in the early stages of learning and discovery. But that's part of the journey. That's part of the process in going from the observation deck to the dance floor. And unless we put ourselves out there, we'll never get more comfortable and at ease with things like prayer and like church attendance and like worship. A ship that stays in the harbor never experiences sailing on the open seas. You hear me? Jesus himself couldn't convince some people to forsake their plotting ways. He expresses his disappointment to the people in Matthew chapter 11, verse 17. He said, to what do I liken this generation? Like children in a marketplace, he said, we have played a flute and you have not danced. If Jesus couldn't get some people to the dance floor, I probably won't be able to get some people to the dance floor. But if you have the desire to dance, metaphorically, if you have a desire to live upbeat, to live a joy-filled, enjoy an abundance of laughter and songs and celebration and live with hope and not despair. It is available for you and it's available for you and it's available for me. I'm telling you, you don't have to live on the underside. You can live on the top side of it because God wants you to live there. I promise you the world's not going to put you on the top side. I hear people come in on Wednesday night saying, Pastor, it's been a rough, rough time. Well, hey, it's halftime. You can rejoice in the Lord here and go back and face a Thursday and a Friday and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend because God Almighty is in this house right now and he's worthy to be praised and honored and adored right now. And I'm not trying to push you over the ledge. I'm just trying to get you out on the dance floor here a little bit tonight. Make some noise in his presence. Make some noise. Paul said, keep on doing what you do to please God, not in a dogged, dogged religious plod, but in a li living Spirited dance. No prenups agreements. No keeping your stuff out of it. No martyrdom. No plotting alone dutifully. It's important that you make noise in your life. The third thing I want to talk to you about, lesson number three, is you need to take lessons. You need to take lessons. Just because someone is giving lessons doesn't mean the other person is taking the lesson. 
To take a dance lesson means to observe. It means to listen. It means to receive instruction. And there's two ways to learn, either by experience or to listen. And God wants to help you to move gracefully through life, to teach you his way of doing things, his thoughts, so that you can enjoy your best life right now here on earth. When I was a kid, my mom insisted that I learn to play the piano, but I didn't take lessons. My parents paid for lessons. A teacher was giving lessons, but I wasn't taking lessons. I was showing up, but I wasn't taking lessons. And the result was that I don't know how to play the piano today. And I'm a little sick about it. And mom and daddy's a little bit more broke, but they're in heaven now and they've been rewarded. But here's the deal. The psalmist has the right attitude. He's ready to take lessons. Some of us need to say, Pastor, I'm ready to take lessons because I've lived this plodding, dogged life. I've lived this dog-eat-dog mentality for a long time. I'm ready to live life in an upbeat. I'm ready to live life in a spirited dance. I'm ready to be on the top side of things and not on the bottom side. I'm ready to do what God wants me to do, to have joy and have contentment and have peace in my life. David was a lesson taker. In Psalms 119 and 66, he said, Before I learned to answer you, I wandered all over the place, but now I'm in step with your word. You are good and the source of good. Train me in your goodness. You are good and you're the source of good. Train me in your goodness. In our staff meetings weekly, and the staff is here to concur this, every staff meeting on Tuesday, it sounds so redundant now, but it's all on purpose. I start every staff meeting. Anybody got anything positive to share? Any got, anybody got anything upbeat to share? I don't want to start working on issues until we start bragging on the good things of life. Amen? And this church will always accentuate the positive and hopefully eliminate the negative. But we every week work on our attitude. And we've been living for God long enough to understand that our attitude needs tweaking probably every week. You can learn a whole lot if you start taking lessons in life. How many of you would like to have a better attitude about life tomorrow? Come on, you'd like to wake up tomorrow with a better attitude. How many of you would like to have a better spirit in your heart tomorrow? How many would like to have a better joy in your heart tomorrow? I'm telling you, if you take lessons, you can learn how to do it. You can learn how to do it. You need to start speaking positively about everything in life. Open up your mouth and don't let a negative thing come out. It bothers me when I hear somebody talk to me and preach to me and share with me the positive things of God. And then when I hear them talk, I can't get anything positive out of them. They're tearing everybody up. I'm here to tell you it's a posture game. You listen to this pastor. As long as I'm in this pulpit, as long as there's a church in Austin, Texas called Christian Life Church, I'm going to live what I preach to you. I'm going to live what I preach. I believe we can be an up church. I'm sorry. I just believe we can be an up church. I believe we can be a church that has peace in it. I believe we can have a church that has contentment in it. I believe we can be a church that has the joy of the Lord in it. I believe we can be a church that's overwhelmed with goodness and grace and mercy. I believe we're a church that can go further than we ever dreamed possible to go because God Almighty loves a church that's in step with what he wants to have on, in life. 
Even in the Lord's prayer, it said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's heaven like? There's joy there. There's contentment there. There's peace there. There's no dying there. There's happiness there. I want that in God's church. I want it here. I want it here in Jesus' name. We're going to take lessons. We're going to take lessons. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn to smile. I'm going to learn to be content. I'm going to learn that whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content because God Almighty wants me to learn that in my walk with him. Say amen to that. Amen. Amen. Continue reading Psalms 119 and 70. The godless, David said, spread lies about me. But I focus my attention on what you are saying because they're bland as a bucket of lard while I dance to the tune of your revelation. So it's either lard or revelation. It's either grease or it's grace. It's either something that'll suck you down in the muck and the mire or it's something that'll be absolutely glorious for you. I just believe. And the fourth thing I'm going to teach to you and then we're going to let you go. I believe with all my heart that we've got to not only sell out and buy in, not only make some noise, not only take lessons, we've got to tune in to his music, to the right music. Everybody say, well, tune in. You know, you can tune into a lot of things. But the writer said, I choose to tune in to your words. Dance to the tune of your truths. Heaven's music. When I look at all these trendy t-shirts today, I see words like affliction. I see words like remorse and death. And there's pictures of corpses and skeletons. And clearly some people are focusing on the negative and the dark and the sounds of despair. And there's no life in that, no joy. You can't dance to that. But God offers a tune that you can dance to. Truths and revelation that you can build a successful Christian life on. Some of us need to do some channel changing. We need to change channels. Amen. It would blow you away if you knew what I listened to going down the highway. I have Sirius Radio, and I listen to Channel 64. It's called Enlighten. It's old quartet music. I know that you think I'm square, and I'm old, and I'm pitiful. But when I hear somebody sing Amazing Grace, I get happy. When I hear somebody sing How Great Thou Art, I still get very, very contented. When I hear somebody sing On the Other Side, Treasures There Have I. I get beside myself. Now, I don't know what moves you. Somebody said we listened to the music we heard when we was 14 years old. I used to sit on the front row at Lubbock Municipal Coliseum and hear the Blackwood Brothers, the Spear family, the Statesman Quartet, the Imperials. I used to hear them all. And I was on the front row. And my dream was to one day be up there on that stage singing those gospel songs because those were the happiest men in all the world. And I realized that probably some of them were just kind of putting on a show. But I got a hold of something Listen to those boys sing. That song is still in my heart. That song is still in my heart. That song is still in my heart. And it doesn't matter what kind of music, gospel music you listen to. You need to get that in your heart. And that's what you need to dance to in life. That's what needs to change your attitude in life. That's what needs to make you a smiling, happy, glorious child of God. You can tune in to the music. You really can. You can change channels and say, I'm not listening to that anymore. I'm not listening to that stuff that's going to downgrade me and put me down in a, in a bad place. I'm going to listen to something that's going to lift me and elevate me. Because God don't want us going through life 
in a slow religious plod. He wants us going through life in a spirited, spirited dance. God offers tunes of hope and faith and trust and love. I read a story about a tribe in Africa that confounded all the anthropologists. I'm closing. Somebody can help me. It seems that this tribe had for centuries enjoyed a 100% success rate with its rain dance. (laughs) And in comparing this tribe to other tribes who did rain dances but who didn't always experience success, the experts couldn't find anything that differentiated the one tribe. They performed the same rituals, praying the same incantations, the same costumes. Like all the tribes, they sometimes danced for days, even weeks on end. Finally, an astute observer noticed something very telling. The successful tribe did one thing and only one thing different than all the tribes. You ready? They always danced until it rained. The tribe was tuned in to never give up, to never be defeated. We will not let our music die until it rains. Amen? Let me say something. I, read a, I wrote a book back in 2004. I had read a story about a, a little Hasidic Jew that was placed in a concentration camp. He was a little old boy, about 14, 15 years old. And they stripped him, took all their clothes off of him, and put him out in the cold, cold weather, and they just stood him in ice, on ice, without any garments. And they just waited for him to die of frost. And people started falling over, dying, frozen to death. Little old boy was still there. Little Hasidic Jew was still there. And all of a sudden, he started singing the songs that his mama taught him, those Jewish hymns that his mama taught him when he was just a baby boy. And he remembered something his mama said to him. She said to him, son, you're Hasidic. And we are the people who dance before the Lord. That's what we do. And when he remembered the songs and remembered the dance, he pulled one of his feet up and the pallet of his foot stuck to the ice. And he started bleeding profusely on that ice. And he pulled the other foot up and the same thing happened and the skin separated. And he started dancing in his own blood. Dancing with all of his might. Singing the old Jewish songs. And they let him do it for about five minutes. And one of the commanders of the German army said, go out and get that boy and bring him in here. Put a coat on him. We'll do anything because he's going he's to bring the morale of the group up. We can't have somebody bringing the morale of the group up. And they went out and put a blanket around him and he's, his life was saved and he lived to tell about it. Because it did not matter where he was. A penguin on ice. It didn't matter. He was going to dance before the Lord and sing the songs of Zion. I hope you dance. I really do. I hope you dance. Because hell is trying to take our dance away from us. 
Hell is trying to destroy us. Hell is trying to freeze us out. Hell is trying to burn us out. Hell is trying to deplete us. Hell is trying to discourage us out of it. But I hope you dance. I really do. I hope you dance. Because I promise you, when you start dancing, you're going to bless a lot of people. When you start smiling, when you start enjoying life, and you start walking in that spirited dance in life, you're going to bless a lot of people. And people are going to see that there is somebody that really, really does love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. You clap your hands right now and rejoice in that. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. 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 So how do you assure to sustain spiritual life? You got to keep moving. You got to keep clapping. You got to keep dancing. You got to keep making noise. You got to do it. Everybody say, sell out. Buy in. Everybody say, make some noise. You got to make some noise. Amen. You got to believe that this really, really, really works. I love all of you. I love all of you. And if you walk out of here thinking I was trying to get you in the floor in the aisle tonight dancing, you missed the whole point. I was trying to get you to live a spirited life. Live in such a spirit that hell cannot take it away from you. Amen. When he comes in like a flood, let the Spirit of the Lord raise up a standard against him and show him how to do the 60s Watusi and go at him and do the electric slide right in his face because you have a God that through the Apostle Paul said, I don't want you to live a dogged, a dogged, plotted life. I want you to live in a spirit. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.